0: Good morning, everyone. The Mary Griffith Show is underway, brought to you by Refreshment Services Pepsi and Harvest Ridge Coffee. We're going to make a quick visit here today with our great friend, Laura Siebert. She is here from Arts Quincy, and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. But if you don't mind, Laura, I want to start with the Golden Historical Society Windmill Follies. Yeah. Golden Historical Society, quite a wonderful group of people. And almost every year, sometimes they don't, they have their windmill follies. These are going to be Saturday, March 9th and Saturday, March 16th in the evening at 630. And they'll have a Sunday matinee, March 10th at 130. And this is truly dinner theater. So I don't know much about watching waldo do you know anything about the show they're doing
1: uh it's just another comedy they do great comedies they always yeah. they always try to pick something really funny um i don't know the show in particular but i have to say um working with the working with the windmill has been um a real pleasure uh, at arts quincy um we are a sponsor of the show so they they part of our arts dollars support this every year um so if you're an arts quincy member like mary griffith is uh, you've supported the Golden Windmill on this. Um, but the uh, Windmill Follies is an opportunity for them to, to keep that windmill in operation. And it's a really awesome place. If you've never had the chance uh, to get up to Golden and see it, um, first of all, it still moves. It, they they don't have the sails on the windmill at the moment. I I don't know if they can put those back on. I think they oh, put yeah. them on occasionally. But in I the mean, winter, maybe they take them down. In the winter, down. they
0: probably take them down because they don't want them to be damaged. I mean, right.
1: obviously, the sails
0: are what make it turn. So, right. uh, although, But it still
1: turns and faces. <laughs> well,
0: I will say this. If you go there with a group of your family like I did and Terry Asher is there and you say, Terry, there's no wind today. Would you mind manually turning it? Yeah. He will be like a mule and turn it. It, Yeah. It can be turned manually. It can be turned manually. Uh, I always tell that story because Terry Asher was probably about ready to throw me off the top of the windmill (laughs) when I asked him to do that. But he did it. But, yeah, the windmill, it's like a multicultural site. There's the windmill, which is its original And has been restored. Then there's this wonderful gift shop that has all kinds of uh, Dutch-German things that they sell there. And then they have this beautiful community hall, which is where they hold the Follies. There's a stage that's built in. It's elevated. And it seats several hundred people. I mean, it's really a nice community center. So this all takes place. And the uh, hilarious performance this year is Watching Waldo... Dinner and a show, or uh, I think they have dessert and a show if you go to the matinee. Uh, doors open 30 minutes prior. It doesn't so, say how much tickets are. Oh, yes, it does t- Uh, for the, uh, dinners, it's 25 bucks a person, which is extremely reasonable. And for the matinee on Sunday, it's 15 bucks a person. And boy, they've got good food up there at the golden windmill too.
1: So the premise of this show, I should say, um, I, I looked it up while we're talking, um, is, uh, what happens when your house sitting for your boss with strict rules about no visitors and suddenly every crazy neighbor and stranger try to come in the door creating chaos. The add that, add to that, uh, you this is kind of kind of what you expect. But the boss comes home early to find all of this crazy chaos and you have a really hysterical comedy. And they, they really do always pick a very funny show, that's part of their part of their thing. So uh I like that idea. Yeah, I like always that uplifting. idea.
0: So if you'd like to go either on Saturday, March ninth, or Saturday, March sixteenth, when it begins at six thirty and they, they, they serve a dinner. And uh, that cost is $25 per person. If you just want to go on Sunday, March 10th, that cost is $15 per person. That's not a full meal. I think that's like a dessert mm-hmm. uh, that they serve. And that's at 1.30. But, you know, some people don't want to go out at night. Uh, the doors do open 30 minutes before uh, the show goes on. Epping Golden at the Golden Windmill. And here's the number to call for reservations because they often sell out. So I would get your reservation by calling 217 696 2476 that's 6962476 or an alternate number is 2172425283 2425283 reserve your seat and get more information about watching Waldo the Windmill Follies at the Golden Windmill put on by the Golden Historical Society March 9th, 10th and 16th coming up uh pre-audition workshops for uh this summer musical at qct newsies this is a big show big show and yeah. uh cheryl kaiser is going to be the choreographer and she's been doing musicals at qct for at least four decades i mean she yeah at least anyway she wants to give people a uh, a chance to get a head start because right. this is a very dance intensive so this is not an audition it's not a rehearsal it's just basically a chance to come and Have a free dance workshop every Saturday, March 2nd through April 27th. You don't have to go to a mall, but it'll be a great way for you to touch up your dancing ability because that's going to be very critical if you do want to get cast in Newsies.
1: Right. Um, and this is really targeted to the men um, out there that it's a very, it's a male-heavy show anyway. And, um, you know, uh, culturally, guys haven't taken as many dance classes as... Right. And I mean, so yeah. I mean, it's not
0: that men can't dance. It's just that in our society, little girls mm-hmm. go to dance class and little boys go to Little League. Right. And then when they get up, grow older, they want to be in a show and they can't dance. And, right. you know, Cheryl's very good. But this, I know she's getting a head start. She's like, look, I'm going to make my life easier. Uh, men uh, ages about 15 to 20. I mean, obviously. They're looking at for teens know, and young, you know, young adults. If you're younger than that or older than that, she'll probably take you. I mean, if you're if you're interested in auditioning for the show, this is, again, it's not a prerequisite. It's not how you're going to get into the show. But you're going to have to dance to be in the show. So if you just show up on audition night and you've never practiced, this... This, that's not going to bode well for you. So,
1: and these are free. So uh, they are, they're from March 2nd through April 27th, once a week, um, and just we're practicing still skills and techniques, and then building off the previous week so that you kind of understand what the what the show will be like, and um, you know what's required to to uh, to put it on the right way. Um, there are a couple of shows. You know, I, I talk to Brandon Thompson every once in a while about um, one of the shows that I really love, which is Crazy for You, and uh, again, it's another very um, dance-heavy show. Um, so as we, we see Quincy Community Theater, you know, work with these these shows that are dance heavy, um, they are employing a lot of good tactics to develop the dancers that we need locally, and that's what community theater at its best does, right? right? Is, is it teaches the community. teaches the community whether how to, you want to be it. a newsies or not.
0: If you want to brush up on your dancing skills, uh, ages fifteen to twenty or thereabouts, they're not going to probably turn anybody away. Uh, can come every Saturday. Does it get the time? Because I'm looking for that. It says workshop every Saturday, but I don't think it gives time. I don't think I have time. a time, yeah. So you'll just have to call the Quincy Community Theater at 222-3209 for more information. Quickly, because we will talk about this uh, later on, uh, the Quincy Civic Music Association is bringing in Take Six. This is probably one of the biggest names
1: they've, they've ever had. had. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, they're coming on Friday, March 8th at 730 at Salem Evangelical Church, 9th and State. Quincy Jones called Take Six, the baddest vocal cats on the planet. Tell us about them.
1: Um, this is another one that is sponsored by Arts Quincy. So um, thank you to our members who make uh, make a dent in bringing in somebody of this caliber. But, yeah, this group's in the Gospel Music Hall of Fame. They, um, they, they're they kind of a, an a cappella group that, that harmonizes together. Uh, they do gospel and jazz and R&B and doo-wop and blues. I mean, a little bit of everything. It's just classic and timeless. Um, one of the things I love about Quincy Civic Music Association is kids 18 and under are always free. So I already have my ticket and my kids can come with me for free, which I love. Um, I think uh, this will be a very crowded show. I think it's going to be, uh, if not a sellout, close to it. So um, make sure to get those tickets soon. They're at Neiman's and Hy-Vee and Sterhan Jewelers or online. Um, But also, um, staff and students from John Wood, QU, and Culver Stockton, your school has already paid for a block of tickets, so you are also admitted for free. So they they are part of the Quincy Civic Music annual calendar, and you're in for free, too. So if you are one of those those places, please uh, check this out, because it's going to be amazing. my, I listened to a really good uh, recording of uh, Gershwin that they did uh, recently. I guess I'm on a Gershwin mood. Um, yeah, but- Gershwin, Ellington, Holiday
0: Berlin, Brubeck, and then they do gospel music. They do everything that's, you know, yeah. they do the modern awesome. stuff too. Okay, that is Friday, March 8th. Get your tickets at quincycivicmusic.org. Thank you, Laura Sievert. Coming up, we'll learn how you can buy art and help people have clean water. Kind of a nice tie-in. We'll be right back. Just ahead of 930 at AM 930 WTAD and we're going to talk about Water Mission and the Water Mission Art Exhibit, which is coming to Quincy at O'Connor Financial Group, 511 Main Street. This is going to happen tomorrow night from 6 to 8 with a special presentation at 7. Joining me is Julie O'Connor. Let's say hi to Julie first. Good morning.
2: Good morning, Mary.
0: How did you get involved in Water Mission?
2: Um, you know, we had a friend introduce us to this group um, probably six or seven years ago. So we've been um, learning, uh, Tim and I have been learning about the global water crisis and, during that time because it really was not something that was on our radar. It's not something that we were thinking about on a daily basis. No, on the
0: banks of the Mississippi, we turn the right. tap and it comes out. Yeah, Exactly,
2: and, and everyone that I know and love in my world, Um, doesn't have to worry about safe water. Um, But if you get out of our little bubble right here, um, it is a huge, huge issue throughout the world. And um, as I was remembering with Madison, like one of the ways that Tim and I initially started getting involved is with the disaster relief that Water Mission does. So it's uh, there's a global water crisis for people just daily who don't have safe water in their in their certainly in their homes, but even in their villages. Um, but then uh, water mission also is involved in disaster relief whenever a hurricane or a um earthquake or things like that happen, and it disrupts the safe water you
0: can go for a pretty long time without food you may be uncomfortable but you can make it but the water pretty days without important without water uh you're toast well that brings us to madison webb who's all the way here from los angeles good morning and welcome to the mary griffith show
3: good morning thanks for having me tell me
0: about water mission what is it and what does this art exhibit have to do with it so let's start what is water mission
3: Water Mission is a nonprofit Christian engineering organization, and we build safe water, sanitation, and hygiene solutions in developing countries around the world, and also, as Julie mentioned, in areas that have been impacted by a disaster. Um, we've been around for over 20 years and have worked in over 60 countries and served about 8 million people through engineering safe water solutions.
0: So these are permanent solutions to their problems because I've been doing shows about this with different organizations mm-hmm. for a while. And you're right. A lot of people were, you know, 30 years ago, we didn't talk about it much. 20 years ago, we started talking about it. Now we're talking about it more. But the nice thing about this is these can be permanent solutions. So you sometimes you have to drill a well. You have to make everything sanitary and safe. And, you know, you don't necessarily have a, a water purification plant, although that could be part of it, I guess, if you got that complex. But just providing good groundwater that would come up through some kind of device is life-saving for, for villagers and for people that live in these these less affluent countries.
3: Yeah, we use the word safe at Water Mission very intentionally, because just because water looks clean and clear doesn't mean that it's safe to drink and doesn't mean that it's safe to access. So for us, safety isn't just about having water come from the ground that looks clear. It's about ensuring that it's totally free of contaminants, that you know when you turn on the tap, it's going to flow, and that when people go to access that water, they're not facing any dangers um, on that journey. For example, uh, I've been in countries with water mission in Africa where there's a water scarcity problem, and women and children are typically the ones to go out and collect water walking miles to find a water source that's usually contaminated. Um, and sometimes along those journeys, they're encountering dangers um, not to mention the fact that they're missing school days and work opportunities because of this journey they have to make to collect water.
0: And water is heavy. It weighs like eight pounds a gallon. So, you know, you put a five-gallon jug on the top of your head or carry that on your back, and that's just a day's supply for just your family and probably not even that. So it's really a critical a critical issue. Well, what's happening Thursday night at O'Connor Financial Group at 511 Maine, They're not going to try to sell you a financial product. <laughs> uh, they're going to basically have... Um, an art show, if I'm correct in that, so tell us about that, please, Madison Webb.
3: Yes, yeah, so uh, there's two billion people that lack access to safe water, and then that's thirty percent of the global population, and that's a huge number to fathom. But when you think about the fact that behind those numbers are people, each of those numbers is a person's life, it's a family, it's a community that's been impacted by water. And through this event, we're hoping to use visual storytelling through photography uh, to, to bring to life some of those stories of people who've been affected by water. And we thought of no better way to do that than um, to host with some of our partners and to, to really show the faces behind the global water crisis and how it affects people's lives, but also the hope that safe water can bring to people.
0: So one of the pictures you have is a, a woman carrying a water jug on her head. Uh, I don't know if I want that in my living room, no offense. I mean, is, <laughs> is everything based on people carrying water jugs, or is there other art just from the land and the country that you're there? Or does it all have a theme that has something to do with, you know, the people actually accessing water mission?
3: That's a good question. I would say the, the images range from showing the need, showing the context within which we work. You, you mentioned the woman carrying the bucket and, you talked about eight pounds and five pounds earlier. Typically, those jugs of water that girls carry weigh about 40 pounds. Yeah, that's a five-gallon. Pretty yeah, heavy. She's basically
0: got a Home Depot bucket <laughs> on the top of her head, and mm-hmm. and she's a little girl. And so she's got yeah. 40 pounds of water on top of her head, and she's probably trudging that several miles. And yet, she did smile for the camera. So Yeah.
3: Yeah, I would say the images show need. And the context we work in, they also show hope and people's faces when they have safe water for the first time, people's dignity is restored when they're able to access proper sanitation and when they feel healthier. Um, So the images will show also water mission systems. We build pretty large-scale technical systems that are powered by solar, have water treatment plants designed to uh, treat the water, and also distribution, what it looks like to we want to show people what it looks like to source water, to treat it, and then to distribute it to people and how that changes their lives um, from before when they had water, to when they didn't have water, to now.
0: Okay. Julie O'Connor, tomorrow night you and your husband are opening up your, uh, your business at 511 Main. People can stop by any time between 6 and 8. There will be some hors d'oeuvres. There will be some refreshments. There will be all this artwork, and people can purchase the artwork or make a donation. Or How does this work? I mean, what, what is the ultimate goal with what happens Thursday night? You obviously want to bring some money in
2: well it would be great um to ha- to have donations um but even more than that, for Tim and I, it was an exposure, um, wish that we could just share this, um, this need that's out there with, with our friends and, and family and, um, just our, our community here in Quincy. Um, like I said, we really didn't know or care about this issue until the past six or eight years. And it's one of those things that as you know, um, you can't, unknow it. Um, You can't um, unsee it, that there are people who are just desperate um, for the basic essentials of life. And there is, as we all know, so much need in the Quincy area. Um, on so many levels, um, anywhere there are people alive, there are needs, right? Yeah, our needs are um, so different. Our needs are so different. But you're right.
0: Anytime there's an emergency, like a tornado, or something mm-hmm. comes through, or Quincy's had some issues where our water service has been interrupted, so mm-hmm. we can understand that it's a day-to-day crisis for some people and a day-to-day. And then what's happening in Gaza right now? What's happening in Ukraine? What's happening in in uh, you know with the Houthis? Everything that can happen that can disrupt life very quickly could also happen, and that's where Water Mission is. We're going to be out of time, but we just want to say that. You can come by tomorrow night, 511 Maine. You're trying to raise awareness Mm -hmm. so that we get out of our knowledge zone and understand that, you know, this is not really a problem around here, although we had that huge crisis at the Illinois Veterans Home. Mm -hmm. That is dealt with the building of an entire new veterans' home thanks mm-hmm. to bad water. So, mm-hmm. bad water is something that, if you need water, which we all do, it can happen to anybody at any time. So, uh, come tomorrow night, O'Connor Financial Group, 511 Main Street. Uh, anytime between 6 and 8, there will be a presentation at 7 that will kind of yes. raise our awareness of how critical this problem is and how we might be able to help. Yes. Thank you so very much, Julie O'Connor. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Madison Webb. Thank you. Gosh, World Traveler, I'll have to have you back, and we'll talk about all the <laughs> places you've been. (laughs) Uh, We're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk with the gentleman who plays Barry Gibb in the Bee Gees uh, tribute that's coming to the Legacy Theater in Carthage. But first, we head up to the Ursa Farmers Cooperative. This report is brought to you by the National Pork Board. 942 and we are back and joining me via the phone lines today all the way from I believe Las Vegas Nevada uh, is the gentleman who portrays uh, one of the Bee Gees in the Bee Gees Gold Tribute uh, Mr. Acosta good morning
4: good morning
0: (laughs) oh you've got the accent down now is that your real accent or are you being Barry Gibb like today
4: no, that's real mean right now, waking up <laughs> early uh, in Las Vegas.
0: I thank you very
4: much. Thank you very much uh, for the, getting the, up the, so early. Well. The, very, the very tone would be,
1: I can she be a forever.
0: Well, you bring me right into it. Let's set the stage. Bee Gees Gold, the tribute, is performing Saturday, yeah. March 9th, 7 p.m. at the Legacy Theater in Carthage. They're going to give you the look and the sound of the 60s and 70s with the Bee Gees staying alive more than a woman. How deep is your love? Last night, Mm -hmm. I was privileged to watch a PBS special about the Bee Gees. And one of the things they talked about was the falsetto voice. So John Acosta... Uh, You have spent uh, a great portion of your professional life uh, bringing to life the, the, the image, the vocal performance of Barry Gibb. Talk about the falsetto and talk about the normal tone, and he used both so well. So you have to be able to use both so
4: well. Exactly. You know, Barry started off just like everyone does in the very early 60s imitating John Lennon. And so he really developed that type of light, <laughs> that kind of forceful sound. And then, of course, Barry recognized that as the '60s were ending, they were now having to reinvent themselves into the '70s. And so the falsetto thing comes about because Barry's in the recording studio with Arif Mardin, who is the producer of uh, at that time. Um, uh, what's her name? R-E-S-B-E-C-E-T. Aretha. What's her name? Aretha, Aretha Franklin. Thank you. And uh, so he's he's basically saying to Barry, you know, on this song, and it's a particular song called Nights on Broadway where Barry uses both voices, and he says, well, I'm going to need somebody to go out into the studio and ad lib like Aretha Franklin would, like way up here. So then he he says, okay, I'll give it a go without even thinking that he, he even has the tone, and he goes out and goes, Pay me down! Pay me down the nighttime, Broadway! And so that all of a sudden makes everyone in the studio say, whoa, wait a minute, we got something here. We really got something here. And at that time, you know, the Beatles were struggling to have another hit. So that's where the two, you know, voices uh, gel for about 75 to 79. And then, of course, we know what happens after 1980. With the disco, uh, <laughs> the disco sucks movement.
0: The disco sucks movement. You know, you're riding right my wheelhouse there. I, I graduated from high school in 77, so I had all the disco uh, gowns. I had all the disco dance outfits, and that was a big yeah. part of my life was going out dancing and everything. And the Bee Gees, of course, were a big part of my life all three brothers, and again, you're trying to recreate this for folks. Number one, the old geezers like me who want to recapture their youth, but there's also a great wonderfulness to this music that everybody from every age will uh, appreciate, and I think that's what's great about the Legacy Theater in Carthage. You will see people of all ages there because uh, you know there's not a whole lot to do in Carthage or this area in general, so you guys coming to town is a pretty big deal. We're glad to have you.
4: Yeah, I was just told right now that, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's like updates are coming in, and, and, uh, as of this morning, we're on, waiting list only. So we're looking like it's a full house.
0: Well, that is great. We need full houses at the Legacy. We won't go into that. We've talked about on this show, the Legacy Theater, and how much I'm in favor of it and a supporter of it because I want it to be successful. And sold-out groups like yours will certainly make that happen. So, folks, if you haven't got your tickets, call and get on the waiting list. I'm sure there will be a standby uh, that night on Saturday, March 9th at 7 p.m., when you go around and somebody, Pete Sprague is Mo Gibbs, Mo Gibbs, and uh, yeah. Eric Sean is Robin Gibb, um, the brothers Gibb. How much do you talk about what's going on behind the scenes as part of your show, or? are you trying to recreate what was happening in their lives when these, when this was going on? Are you just basically singing and letting people remember the, the, the part they remembered from the radio? Are you trying to really give people insight into some of the turmoil, some of the triumph, some of everything that was going on?
4: Yeah. The the concept is basically we are performing the songs with the voices and the clothes that represent that era. And, uh, But what we're doing is we're fans. We're performing the show not as the Bee Gees, but you got to close your eyes and you got to remember that time when you hear those tones. And I'm the biggest fan, I mean, ever of Barry Gibb and the Bee Gees because I've studied everything, and I've been doing it for so long that when I'm up there singing my style of singing and giving it to the people, I'm 10 years old again. And I'm, I'm I'm like, you know, I, I'm all of a sudden, I'm realizing I'm too young to go see Saturday Night Fever. I can't wait. So <laughs> I'm bringing the fever to you.
0: You know, and it's, I love that because, you know, it's a chance for us all to relive. You look incredibly like Barry Gibb. Now, here's, uh-huh. I'm going to be rude because that's what I do. You don't know me, but that's what I do. I'm rude. Barry was the good, good-looking brother. Mo and Robin, right. mm, they kind of got hit with the ugly stick, <laughs> depending on you know what angle you yeah. shot him at. So I mean, I'm sure I've noticed because I've seen a little commercial for you guys. Your Mo and uh, Robin are a lot better looking than Mo and Robin in real life.
4: Sure, yeah, I think, and, and basically. <laughs> You know that, that was a really kind way of saying it. Depends on the angle you put the. <laughs> I
0: mean, Barry was really hot. Barry was the girl, the heartthrob. You know. Then the others, yeah, yeah. we accepted them because we love their music. But I mean, Barry was the heartthrob, and you, you, you look just like the heartthrob. So we're we're very satisfied with with you.
4: Oh, thank um, you. I really appreciate they that. We were talking <laughs>
0: last night in this PBS documentary. um, about how they got the um, kind of the rhythm and the lyric for jive talking going over a bridge at 35 miles per hour, went... and they hey, actually... they turned that into you know turned wrote a song in the car while they're heading to a gig or something. How much of what the Bee Gees did? Uh, You know, you talk about everybody starts out kind of imitating somebody. Well, if the Beatles are popular, then I'll try to be like John Lennon. Or if this is popular, then I'll try to be like this. Or if black music is popular or falsetto voicing is popular, I'll try to be like that. When did they break out of let's try to be like other people and then break into, wow, we are the Bee Gees and we can now explore and do things on our own that are kind of unusual and distinct?
4: Yeah it was like i said that that uh all of a sudden that realization that that falsetto you know at first it was a background vocal thing you would always have the falsetto guy do uh you know something behind the lead singer when Barry discovered that he could be singing the actual songs like more than a woman uh, uh all of a, i mean more than a woman if i can't have you all those songs were were done you know with the low voice so then when they discovered that they could put the lead vocal as the front and center and then of course with a rock god looking like Barry Gibb right it's like it's a guarantee that suddenly everyone realized they're doing their own thing this isn't copying anything this is basically a reinvention cuz no it's a great story it's like they were playing the white label which was which would mean that they were having their names on the uh, promotion single and Elton John said to Robert Stigwood of RSO, he said, who's the black group you just signed when he uh-huh. heard Jive Pocket? Yeah. So well, Barry's realization, you know, and, and of course, it comes from the stylistics and it comes from the production of Tom Bell. and Because uh, it, it Barry just knew as soon as he got to Miami, he's like, we, we've got to change.
0: There is, it, there's an interesting aspect of music. Um, I've been in this business a long time. Of course, I'm a talk show host now. But I mean, I, you know, just jacking is not, I mean, I remember those days. And I remember were, I worked at a station where you couldn't play any black artists. Uh, you know, wow. rural, you know, rural Illinois. I mean, you know, and I guess they thought, well, there's no market for that. I mean, Michael Jackson was not on the radar screen at that radio station. You know, so it's kind of funny because 40 years ago I, today I think was uh one of his great hits was released but anyway it it is interesting how Elvis got a little bit in trouble because he could do the black sound but he was still white and acceptable did the Bee Gees did the Bee Gees get rich off of the fact that they were acceptable for little white girls to go oh Barry Gibb ah," you know whereas maybe that wasn't uh you know, acceptable in other places. The, the racial overtones in the music industry, especially back yeah. in the 50s, 60s, 70s, they were pretty strong.
4: Yeah. And, I mean, honestly, you know, those artists, I mean, look, look, look at the caliber of black artists in the 70s or the 60s, uh, or, you know, uh, all the way back to Chuck Berry. So, yeah, these, these type of young Australian, British Groups, as we know, as the British invasion, you know, told us, it's like we wanted to sound like the black artists. And those artists were the ones that got the respect when they went on tour in Europe. So Barry was right there. I mean, he was he was like, you know, we've got to we've got to we've got to transcend. We've got to we've got to go over to the other side. And, of course, not ripping off, but like taking just great influence from all those black artists, because that's what Barry's doing. In and to love somebody, uh, he's doing Otis Redding because that's what he wrote it for. You know, he's 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 changing his voice, but it's it's again, it's out of respect. So it's kind of strange to even hear, yeah, back in the day in some rural parts of Illinois, black artists weren't on radio, but I do know my history. But it's just really amazing to hear that today.
0: Well, yeah, well, it's pretty amazing to have lived it, but then you know, I mean, you're coming to the, the uh, listen. Well, you're coming to the Midwest where, um, you know, well, let's just say you're coming to the Midwest. So, you know, things move a little slower here, but... Um but, you know, th- that's that's part of our rich history, too, and we've moved past that. Um, let's talk about the songs you're actually going to sing, because do you do them in chronological order? Do you do them in order of, well, we don't want to sing the number one hit first, because then everybody will go, oh, well, that's all I came to hear, and I'm getting up and leaving and going out to dinner in Carthage. I mean, how do you put the show together?
4: Well, here's the thing. It's like. You could literally say, oh, well, that's the song I came to hear. But the Bee Gees have a plethora of number (laughs) one hits.
0: Fifteen.
4: So many people. It's it's nine number ones in a row. Consecutive nine number ones in a row. Hasn't been done since the Beatles. Now, I don't want to give away because I love little surprises and secrets and things like that. Sure. And we've got, no, it's not chronological. It just touches here and there. And by the time we get to the fever period, you know, it's like a rocket. Yeah,
0: that's great. So the, the, obviously the show builds, and it's not chronological. Oh, we'll yeah. Get a, we'll get a full sampling of everything they did. But uh, like all good musicians, the show builds.
4: It, it, exactly. It's, it's a show. It's like I usually say, it's, it's my John Lennon influence, Mock show, as they <laughs> used to say in Germany. Mock show. You can't just sit there and sing. Mock show. And so yeah if you if you were to do a chronological you'd be starting off from the early 60s and then people would be falling asleep because there's so many ballads. So you got to keep the momentum going.
0: <laughs> got to keep that uh, John Travolta walking with the paint can in his hand. You got it. Uh,
4: well, when when we get yeah, when we get to that part of the show, and I literally announce it, I'm like, get ready, this is it, ladies, the fever <laughs> is <blank." laughs> Well,
0: like I said, I had many, many different disco dancing outfits, and I love the black light. Uh, staying alive, more than a woman, how deep is your love? I love it. I had John Acosta on today to promote the show and hopefully sell some tickets, but now. He tells me they're all but sold out. You can get on a waiting list, and I would encourage you to do that. If I know the people at the Legacy Theater, they'll figure out a way to jam a few more people into the stands because that is a not-for-profit agency. And I want to thank you for coming and bringing your talent to Carthage. You know, we really appreciate it. That little theater, what they've been able to do there is just Phenomenal! You're near, you're out in Las Vegas, where millions and millions of dollars by private developers are poured into these venues. But this is literally the sweat and tears of farmers <laughs> and you know uh, middle class Americans who are making the Legacy Theater happen. So I really want to thank you. Uh, before I let you go, is there anything I didn't ask you that you really like to say?
4: I mean, uh, I think uh, you know because I've got uh, a long list of. Of uh, I think we played there last or a year before. Yeah, I think you. I think this um, is a return appearance
0: to Carthage for you. Yeah. I do. Uh,
4: and, and this what, was. Yeah. This,
0: and well, it was
4: definitely after the COVID situation. Yeah. So I want everybody to come out and just remember 1977. <laughs> Don't even remember 2024. <laughs> just think it's 1977 as soon as you walk in. Bring your platforms, your bell bottoms. <laughs> We're going to make a dance. Everybody has to have a medallion
0: on, a gold chain. Thank you so very much, John Acosta. Remember, folks. Uh, My pleasure. call Call the theater for tickets. Thank you. We'll be back. Thank
4: you, Mary. Appreciate
0: it.